Thrills that vibrate, spirits that touch, and even the cheating spouse. These are some of the things we will discuss today. Welcome to CGM Presents Wives in the Word, a study for women and men, whether married or unmarried. Today we continue in the book of Ruth, chapter 3. I'm your hostess, Stephanie Wright. Thank you for joining us today. So we're going to continue in our study on wives and the word. And then we are now talking about Ruth. And Ruth was, first of all, an idol worshiper initially. She was a heathen. Uh, She was a widow. She married Naomi's son. And as we know, Naomi's husband died and her sons, which meant that Ruth was now a widow and so was Naomi. But we find that Ruth was a faithful woman, a brave woman, uh, because she left her native land, uh, Moab, and went to a country that was not her own. She was a wise woman. She turned from worshiping idols and she became a Jew. They call them proselytes when they're not born Jewish. She was a hard worker. She worked in the fields where Boaz, which Boaz owned, and she knew how to take good counsel. The wife of Boaz, eventually the mother of Obed, the grandmother of Jesse, and the great-grandmother of David. So when we last looked at Ruth, she found favor in Boaz's eyes, and her mother-in-law Naomi knew that Ruth and Boaz had mutual feelings about each other, And Naomi instructed Ruth on the custom of that day concerning widows, which Ruth was a widow. And she was also a near kinsman of Boaz, having been married into that family. Now, Ruth is a near kinsman, just as Naomi was. So we pick up at chapter 3 with this study. And we remember, remember to keep the characteristics of Ruth in mind, because we're talking about wives. We're talking about wanting to be a wife. What are the characteristics that Boaz was looking at? And Boaz, what were the characteristics that he had as a husband? And as we said, even though you may not want to be a wife, what are the characteristics that God is seeing in you as a woman of God? So let's pick it up in chapter 3. Naomi, her mother-in-law, starting in verse 1, she said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? She's looking out for her welfare, in other words. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he is winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. So now this mother-in-law is giving her instruction on how to basically propose to her kinsman, Boaz. So she's telling her, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put your raiment on, and go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you're there until he's done eating and drinking. And then when he lies down, in verse 4, mark the place where he lies. Now she told her that because there were other people in this threshing floor area. So she didn't want her getting confused about where she was lying down. And you go in, uncover his feet, and lay down, and he will tell you what you shall do. Now, let's be very clear about this. This was the custom in that day 
that a near kinsman she could go and lay down at his feet, not lay down at his side because that would have been inappropriate, that would have been indecent. And regardless of what you may be reading in some commentaries, this was not a sexual gesture, okay? Because there are some commentaries that will try to twist this thing. Ruth was a woman of character, and that's what I believe a man who's looking for a wife is looking for, a woman of character, a woman of integrity. And maybe not all men want that, but okay. <laughs> she went down to the threshing floor. She followed her, her, her mother-in-law's instruction, and she did according to what her mother-in-law told her. So Boaz, he eats, he drinks, his heart was merry in verse 7. He lies down at the end of the heap of corn, and then Ruth comes, and she uncovers his feet, and she lay down. Now, he was sleeping, and then it's after midnight, and then all of a sudden he wakes up, and he turns himself, and he sees this woman laying at his feet, and he asks in verse 9, Who are you? She says, I'm Ruth. And spread therefore thy skirt, over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. In other words, I want you to be my protector. I want you to marry me. And this is what, uh, let me just throw this in. This is what a woman looks for in a husband, a protector. She looks for someone who is going to care for her and cover her and, and be her protector. Someone who loves her. So this is what she saw in this man. This is the kind of man that she wanted. She believed he would be her protector and that he would cover her. And then he said to her in verse 10, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. And remember, we said we believe that this man, Boaz, was older than she was. If you want to marry an older man, that's fine. Because we have... Uh, stories we already alluded to earlier in these um, in these in this series of marriages that worked out just fine or younger okay so he said thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning in as much as thou you didn't follow the young men whether poor or rich so this is how we know he was an older man he says you didn't go after the young men you you know you have shown me kindness and he says, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do to thee all that thou requires. In other words, I am going to, I am going to do what I can do to marry you. For all the city of my people know that thou art a virtuous woman. Verse 11. This is what this man was looking for in his Ruth. He was looking for a woman of virtue, of character. Can people say that about you? Can the man who is looking for you to be his wife, to be his root, can he say that about you? Can God say that about us as women of God? Can he say that we are virtuous? Can he say that we are living with integrity? Because if we are not living with integrity, if we are not virtuous, I really don't know how we expect God to answer our prayers. How do you expect your prayers to be answered when you are not living and walking in integrity and being virtuous? And I'm going to throw this in. You, you are not a woman of virtue and a woman of integrity when you put some of the kind of things that, that are seen on Facebook. Acting like the world. Acting like the world. Now, I expect to see that. I mean, I have... 
I'm not proud of this. I have some relatives that put some kind of awful things on, on Facebook, but they're not saved. So I'm not surprised when I see that. But it's a problem when you're talking about you are saved and you are putting things that are cursing on Facebook, talking about what you, you went out and did that is totally not a woman of integrity. So what kind of woman are you? What is the, the man that's looking for a wife? What does he see in you? Does he see this character? And this may have been, Ruth may have been back in, uh, you know, over 2,000 years ago or longer, really. Uh, but it's still the same today. We still need to be women and men of integrity. Amen. And so Boaz says, I am your near kinsman in verse 12. One problem, there's another kinsman. There's somebody else who's really in, next in line before me who really should be the one to marry you. Boaz was a man of integrity. So when your Boaz comes to you and says, I'm, I'm your Boaz, I'm the one that's uh, going to marry you, and you don't see integrity in him, you need to go back and double check your list because integrity should be one of the things on your list that you had that you want somebody with character. Okay? I heard somebody say one time, you can look at the way a man treats his mother to get some idea of how he will treat you. So you could do that. Look and see how does a man treat his mother? Is he kind to his mother? Does he love his mother? Um, that would be a good standard. I kind of looked at that when I looked at Apostle Charles. He had a very good relationship with his mother. He, a wonderful mother, saved. And I looked at that relationship, and that that was a good. He, he it was a good relationship. And it, it was funny and humorous. Some things that that happened, uh, and maybe he'll share that sometime. That relationship between him and his mom, because he wasn't too old for his mama to, you know, pop him upside the head <laughs> if she needed to. So, what kind of relationship does he have with his mama? Okay, so he goes on in verse twelve, and he says, "Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning." So he says, "You stay there, stay there, and stay all night." Okay, see, there were no issues back then. Don't don't come to me and say, well, I thought Apostle Stephanie said it was okay. Don't be talking about, I said, you can go lay down on some man's feet. That is not what I'm saying. That was the custom back then. You better not be doing that. Amen. So he said, tarry this night and in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. So in other words, this person who who is really next in line to marry Ruth, he is protecting her. He didn't want anybody saying that um, Ruth was there all night. It is said that there were other people in the threshing floor. Remember I said that her mother-in-law said, <clears throat> told her, be careful where you lay down because we don't want, you, you don't want to lay at the wrong person's feet. Okay. So, <clears throat> so there was, there was nothing sexual going on because there would have been other people who would have seen it and who would have known it. So she laid at his feet till morning. She rose up before one could know another. He measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city. Now I find this part a little funny because, you know, <clears throat> when you're dating someone, it, it's, it's something about us women. We do like to, to go out to eat. I mean, I still like to go out to eat. 
okay so this man knew how to um get to this woman's heart he says i'm going to give you some food to take with you and take home okay and when she came to her mother-in-law she said who art thou my daughter and she told her all that the man had done to her so uh ruth goes back she tells naomi uh everything that has happened she says uh and he gave me six measures of barley for he said to me go not empty unto thy mother-in-law then says she sit still my daughter until thou know how the matter will fall for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day in other words uh, Naomi said he's going to do what he said he would do what he said he would prom promise to do and that's all of chapter three so I'm probably going to stop at chapter three and we'll pick up a chapter four next week but these are some of the things that I studied in uh, reviewing this the law and custom gave Ruth, who was now proselytized, in other words, she wasn't born Jewish, but she became a Jew, proselytized to the true religion, she had a legal claim on Boaz. It was customary for widows to assert this claim, which is what I've just said, and that is supported in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. That's Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. Let me say it again, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. But this is not recorded for imitation in other times. That's just what I said, okay? And it is not to be judged by modern rules. So what they did is their custom back then is not the way we do things here. But although there are some, some places still in uh, the Middle East that this custom is practiced. And if there had been any evil in it, Ruth was a woman of too much virtue and too much sense to have listened to it. Now that's Matthew Henry. And then there was another commentary uh, called the Pulpit Commentary. Ruth was entitled to call upon her nearest of kin to fulfill the various duties of a responsible kinsman. Still, notwithstanding the existence of this law, of this custom, we may rest assured that the sensitive gleaner would never have summoned up the courage to ask Boaz to discharge to her the duties of kinship. She never would have done what she did unless she had been sure, and I love the way they put this in this commentary, unless she had been sure that the thrills that vibrated within her own heart were responsive to subtle touches on his part of spirit with spirit their spirits touched one another and you know if you're going to call yourself wanting to marry someone there should be something in the spirit that connects you and we've already talked you know the scripture says don't be unequally yoked that still applies you cannot expect that uh all and water are going to mix don't think that you are going to marry somebody who is unsaved and you're going to change them. It ain't happening. Okay? It's, it, it's, it, it's not happening. So so that's, that is my advice to you. Amen? Um, and I, I have given the testimony before about Apostle Charles and, and myself. I was not saved when we met. I knew Christ. I had been baptized. And, but as far as really living a saved life, I did not live a saved life. And then I met him, and he was a backslider. And then I got saved, 
And I tell you, that was a very interesting situation, <laughs> to say the least. But God, uh, I think God, you know, when God saves you, you know, God saves when God saves you, he saves you real good. When you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will keep you. Amen. So don't be unequally yoked. I want to give some words of encouragement to those of you who uh, are looking to be married. And, and those would be what I, that is what I would say today. Don't marry somebody thinking you're going to change them. Get to know them uh, outside of the church. And that does not mean that they're not a church person. Yes, they should be a church. They should be a saved person. They should love to be in the house of the Lord. They should love to, to praise God. But get them outside of the house of God because people are a little bit different sometimes when they get outside of the house of God. Those of you who are going through a difficult time in your marriages, um, you need to seek God and, and don't seek bad counsel. The scriptures do tell us that we need good counsel, wise counsel. And it's not always necessarily save people that give you the best counsel. You can find counselors who will give you good counsel. But I'm talking about people, especially those women, girlfriends or whatever, the ones who will tell you, honey, I wouldn't put up with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take this, that, or the other. But they themselves took it. So be careful who's sitting up giving you advice because sometimes those people who want to give you advice about your marriage or your relationships, they'll turn around and end up uh, marrying the one that you, they told you not to be messing with. So you need to get good counsel, take your counsel from the Holy Ghost, from God, and take your counsel from wise people. Be careful from whom you get counseling whether it is before you get married and while you are married amen and and if you are going through a difficult time a situation and uh let's just let's just be up front here you got a husband who's running around on you cheating on you don't get out and go advertise all of your business yeah maybe other people do know about it but you don't have to be out talking about it and got your head down and hung down you need to keep some things to yourself and to uh, those who are close to you okay so that's just a little a few little tips that uh, you know Apostle Stephanie wants to give from you know my observations or or whatever so be encouraged we're going to finish up with uh, chapter 4 on next week and we just want you all to be blessed. Read up on chapter 4 of Ruth. I think we'll finish up next week. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for being with us today on Wives in the Word. Please join us next time as we continue our study on the biblical perspective of marriage in the 21st century. This has been your hostess, Stephanie Wright.